Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. Is there a place for pessimism in the kingdom of God? As believers, is there such a thing as too much optimism? These are questions we're tackling today. Now, in general, we're a pretty solution-oriented team, but we'll get into some of the benefits of seeing the problems and talk through the higher perspective of hope in Jesus, even when circumstances try to lead us to believe a different narrative. Now, we're excited to get started, talk through this challenging topic. Are you ready to get started? Well, we are. Let's jump right into it. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield, and we just want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, it means a lot that you are showing up to listen, and we hope that you're going to get something really good out of today's episode. So let's get into today's topic, uh, which is, um, well, I'm not sure how to say it in a sentence form or, but, or a topic form, but it's that there is always a solution. So today we're really going to be talking about hope uh, and what that looks like for us as believers um, what that looks like for um, pessimists, for optimists, um, for all of us in different aspects. So um, we want to get into this. I can say uh, right off the bat, I am a very solutions-oriented person. Um, just just the way that I'm wired is that there's always a solution. Uh, and even if there isn't a problem, I'll look at something and say, how could we do this better? Uh, which some people just say, just leave well enough alone. Um, which sometimes I have to tell myself to do that. Otherwise, I'm always trying to improve something. Better or simpler? Yes, yes. That's my <laughs> motto. Keep it simple but significant. But um, yeah, which to me is better. But um, so sometimes you you do have to turn off that cog and just say, it's okay. It's, it's functioning well. You know, you don't have to improve it just now. Um, but uh, it is the way that I'm wired. And I think it's kind of the way we're all wired in some way. We all are always looking for those strategies and solutions of how to do things um, better or differently. So, um, but we like to start with the problem so that we can fix it. So let's talk about first, what are the benefits of seeing the problems in something? Well, for me, when we see a problem, then we can find a solution. Yeah. Because if we don't know a problem, we won't be searching for a solution. So for some people, when they hear a problem, it uh, stirs inside of them a vision of what can be, yeah. what they can accomplish. Okay, this is where we're at, but let's begin to dream of what can be. Mm -hmm. And for you, you're that solution one. What are the steps? What are the processes? How can I assess this so that I can bring the solutions to the table so it can be better and simpler, as yeah. you said? And other people, they might get into this research mode. Let me gather some knowledge and information and bring those things to the table so we can bring truth, we can bring knowledge, Knowledge, we can bring understanding of maybe why we have the problem and how we can overcome that problem. And then we have other people that just intuitively know strategies mm -hmm. or processes so that they can just step right in there and begin to make a difference. So without a problem, we won't have all these uniquely gifted individuals coming together to make things better than they were before. Yeah. As yeah. you were talking... <laughs> I kind of thought of something funny, but <laughs> when you can't see the problem, that's probably a bigger problem <laughs> than the problem. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Until so it's they not. say. <laughs> yeah. Until the result. Until it's not. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And and whether we like it or not, life is it has problems in it, right? Yeah. And so ignoring them doesn't help. It doesn't uh, move us forward. Uh, so if we can't see the problem, we're going to be stuck. Mm-hmm. And so if we desire some level of maturity or growth, we have to be able to look at our situation, see the problem, and address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we don't, we'll just stay the same or be stuck in a cycle of problems. Problems, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I think if we put our ha- head in the sand, it's almost like uh, – compounding the problem and it's so we're so driven by fear because we're so afraid of the problem it's like the problem has more power than what we have Mm -hmm. uh to actually make good come out of it and so i think it's really important not to ignore the battles or the struggles or the challenges because in a lot of ways it's our opportunity yeah to make a difference yeah Yeah. And I can approach things or just life in general as the eternal optimist. And, (laughs) um, but that doesn't mean that I'm wearing rose colored glasses and can't see things as they are. Um, and sometimes for me, I have to really, um, make sure I'm not just not ignoring, but denying reality and just say, well, it'll work out. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, because that's really not what this Mm -hmm. is about. Um, because you do have to see the issues in order to work on them, in order to work them out. And I think, you know, we've all been at the place where we all know people who um, you you look at their life or your own life and you say, well, this just really is not working, but you just don't do anything about it. And, and it just keeps playing out. You get the same results, which we know is the definition of insanity is uh, doing the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, if you don't actually address that there is a problem, then you're just going to keep seeing the same results. Um, and so I think that is really valuable uh, when we're talking about the value of the, or the benefit of seeing the problems is you you have to be honest enough with your reality, whether it's your personal reality or um, your environmental reality, you have to be honest enough to say, this isn't perfect or this isn't working. Um, and so identifying those problems can really be a stepping stone um, to improvement, to breaking that cycle of insanity and, um, and moving forward. Yeah, that is so true. Uh, when you don't address problems, they'll become cycles. Yeah. One of the things about um, cycles or problems that I, I think about is um, that problems that we face are often symptoms and mm. there's a root cause of them. Mm. And so if we never look at the problems in our life or we never uh, recognize cycles within our life, we'll never address the root problem. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of times when we're just aware of it, we can say, hey, maybe if we just deal with this thing or or if we see it more of a, as a symptom, then maybe we can look back and say, maybe there's a, a reason for this. And when you deal with the root, hopefully you're not going to experience the harvest of it then. Yeah. That's really good. It, it makes me think about how um, God did not ignore the problem of sin or the root cause of sin. And, but immediately 
-hmm. says Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations yeah. of the world. And so it was so beautiful if you think about it. He was not moved by the problem, which was a very big problem yeah. that's still affecting humanity today, but the solution is already there. Mm -hmm. And I even think about Jesus. He didn't run from the demoniac, which some of us might. You know, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, this person's really in bad shape. No, he cast out the demons, right? He didn't run from those who were sick. He he brought healing. And so he was the solution. Yeah. And he came to uh, seek and to save those that were lost yeah. and to heal those that were sick. And so it wasn't the problem that was the problem or our problem isn't necessarily our problem. Uh, it only becomes a problem when we can't see the solution yeah. or pursue a solution. Yeah, I think the spirit in which we approach problems is mm. huge, makes mm -hmm. a huge difference um, because, you know, there are even some personality types or some um, people who are just really wired to immediately see problems. But if that that's that can be a real gift mm -hmm. um, if they carry with it the spirit of hope, the spirit of solution. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially for uh, dreamers and visionaries, uh, that person can come along who immediately sees the problems and that dreamer is like, can you stop crushing my soul? <laughs> you know, can you stop smashing my dream? Um, but really, those two can be wonderful partners mm -hmm. if um, there is that hope, if there is that solution mindedness to not just see, not just to identify the problem, but um, to see the solution. So just like, you know, Jesus, he had that eternal hope, uh, which I think we're going to talk more about hope as we go. But um, the spirit at which you see problems, you, you sometimes you meet someone, you talk to someone and their programming is just they only see problems and there's no hope. Um, so there's a big difference between identifying a person who can just identify problems but do it with hope and a person who only sees problems and there's no way out. Um, that's a real hopeless situation. That is um, brain wiring, heart wiring that is very hopeless. Um, and so, yes, there can be a way to approach problems with a hopeless spirit uh, or with a hopeful spirit. And that can make all the difference. Hope is that, you know, magic ingredient here when we're talking today. Well, I think one of the benefits of seeing the problem is when you see the problem, it gives an open door for understanding. Mm -hmm. And you'll never be able to solve a problem if you don't have the understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people will view their world through a fantastical perspective, living from fantasy. Mm -hmm. And which I, I think, you know, not... not Without getting too like uh, psychological, I mean, I think that can be a coping mechanism for some people that experienced a lot of uh, difficulty and trauma. But on the other sense, is if you don't live in reality, you know, you're just going to be a victim of your circumstance mm -hmm. rather than being able to rightly discern what's happening within your life and address it through. Uh, discernment, mm -hmm. address it through understanding. But if 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 we're afraid to look at the problem and see it for what it is, we'll never have understanding. And if you don't have understanding, how can you uh, accurately assess the situation and find a, a possible solution? Yeah. Actually, fantasy is very scary in the sense that a person lives their life, they develop memory, mm -hmm. their perspectives are based upon a false reality, and they'll never, ever be satisfied 
with life yeah. mm-hmm. because they're living in that fantasy world. And to them, it is real, but it's never ever actualized or manifested in their life. So it just sets a person up for disappointment because yeah. how can real life ever measure up to a fantasy world? Yeah. So that's not the way to solve a problem. Yeah. No. Yeah. So staying in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really good. Okay, so our next point today is, is there a place for pessimism in the kingdom? And I had to laugh because we do just like a rough draft notes before we get together. And um, Dr. Melody's answer was pretty much no. (laughs) She was like, absolutely not. There is no place for pessimism in the kingdom. So so I'm curious to see if you have anything more to add to it than just no. Well, uh, I mean, that's that was my first thought, and that's what I have in my notes. No. Yeah. The um, end. Next I was question. Like, well, this is going to be a short episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, I looked up the definition for pessimism, and this really gives me the proof to my big no. And it's a tendency to see the worst aspect of things. Like who wants to live a life just looking at the worst of something or believe that the worst will happen? I mean, that's hopelessness. That's depression. Mm -hmm. That's fear. I mean, it's just everything opposite of the kingdom, right? A lack of hope or confidence in the future. Oh my gosh, there's no place for pessimism, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not only the negative, but it leaves no room at all for solutions. Yeah. And so we are then driven away from the kingdom rather than drawn into the kingdom, which there are supernatural words of wisdom. You know, if we don't have natural skills that God placed inside of us, we can always hear his voice and he always speaks wisdom. So, or he always speaks hope. So I don't think there's any place for pessimism. So I wonder what you guys think about that. (laughs) Well, well, Jude uh, addresses this type of person in, in, uh, well, the book of Jude, right? Uh, He calls them malcontents, which basically just means finding fault in everything. Wow. Wow. I'll have to revisit the book of Jude, the whole whole one page that it is. (laughs) Well, I, I was thinking, you know, uh, the simple answer is no, but maybe a more more nuanced answer would be, as long as there as, as long as there's imperfect people um, in the kingdom, we'll always be wrestling with this type of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, is there a place for it? Yes, because there's imperfect people. A place meaning it will happen. You know, doesn't mean that it's the best. Mm-hmm. But uh, there will be those that will just always see the negative of their present circumstance or even towards the future. But I'm I'm a person that believes that if you are a believer, it's hard to be a pessimist because the nature of a believer is to believe what? Well, mm-hmm. believe what Christ has done. And that's a, a future filled with hope and purpose and meaning. And yeah. One thing you said uh, in the very beginning was there's usually a root cause. And so if they are pessimistic, um, like there's no room for pessimism in my opinion, but why would someone be pessimistic? There is a root cause, whether it's trauma, Mm -hmm. whether it's disappointments, whether it's fear, whatever it might be, there is a reason. So when I, I, I don't judge the pessimist, 
I don't attack. Uh, I I don't be. I'm not critical of the pessimist, but I. I recognize that their pessimism is just a manifestation of some deeper root things. And so that motivates me to want to speak life to them. Yeah. It motivates me uh, through my words, my attitudes, my actions, my love, my validation for them or whatever it might be to begin to plant seeds that can begin to rewrite the instructions you know, of what yeah. they really believe. And I believe it also goes back to how you view Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I think of in Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. That sounds like the opposite of pessimism, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what are all these things? Well, all those things were tribulation, mm-hmm. distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, kind of reasons to be pessimistic. But it says, yet in all these things, even in the midst of those things, we're more than conquer, conquerors through him, through mm-hmm. him who loved us. So our confidence is not on our external circumstances. It's in him and through him. Mm-hmm. In Philippians 4.13, we all kind of know this, and sometimes it's, it gets misquoted or taken out of context, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So it's not just doesn't mean, well, you could do whatever you want through Christ. It's saying Mm -hmm. uh, this verse is referring to no matter what situation you're in, no matter what is happening externally, I am well-equipped through the sufficiency of Christ, meaning I know how to be abased, I know how to abound, I know how to suffer lack, Mm -hmm. and I know how to be full. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting because in that verse, it, Paul's not saying, I know how it feels to be abased. I know how it feels to abound. He says, I know how to be abased. Mm-hmm, that's I good. know how to abound. That's good. Meaning that each situation's a little different, but he could do it yeah. through Christ. And in the beginning of it, it says, for I have learned that whatever state I'm in, to be content. Yeah. Yeah. So that should give us hope hope for us all because he it's something that he learned. It was something that uh, was a process of growth. Yeah. So really when you were talking about, you know, there are those that are pessimistic, I was viewing it uh, through the grid of their self-view because of their mm. experiential realities and the battles mm. and the struggles. But you have brought to the table, it's about their view of Christ, their view of Father God, their view of the kingdom. And Mm -hmm. when we don't see that properly, when we don't know our God for who he is, then we're really not putting our trust in him. And that is a negative place to be. That's a difficult place to be. And this really isn't the podcast to debate this, not that we would debate it because we're probably along the same uh, view, but how you view end times, yeah, you know, sure. um, how you how you interpret those things is really going to depend on if you, obviously, I think in the end, no matter what view of the end times you have, we win, right? Mm-hmm. So there should be some level of hope and expectancy, mm-hmm. um, but... Like I said, it's how you view Christ, how you interpret Scripture can really uh, determine whether you view life with hope and and purpose or just bracing for the inevitable, you know, fire and brimstone. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, pessimism is very self-focused. 
Mm. It's very small minded, small. It, your your world is very small. Mm. Um, and so I think we can do that because of, you know, what we've experienced in life. We become very self-protective um, just as that, you know, mechanism to keep me safe. Um, but and, and, you know, we all can get into times where our world shrinks to the size of our problems and we do, we, we are in that hopeless place, uh, which is why, you know, you see in the Bible, you see Paul encouraging the church over and over and over again uh, to keep your hope alive, to, you know, don't give up, keep going, uh, look to Jesus, all of those things. So we all can get in those moments, uh, but living a lifestyle of we're using the word pe- pessimism, but that hopelessness um, really is keeping things all focused on you and protecting you. Um, but the gospel is the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's not just about me. It's about um, it's about him. It's about those that he loves. And so even when we're talking about um, eschatology, um, y- you know, again, we're not one to have those, those debates. Um, but when you are living just for yourself, mm-hmm. You really can have a theology that the world's going to go to hell in a handbasket, um, you know, that fire and brimstone, like you better get your life together because it's really about you, not really about the world. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, and it, it was always meant to end good in that that victorious, you know, um, you know, I have a victorious eschatology. So when you get your mind off of yourself um, it's hard to stay in pessimism mm-hmm. um, because now you are living for something greater. You are living for a victorious uh, end. You're living for the people that that Jesus died for, that he loves. Um, so when we ask that question, is there a place for pessimism in the kingdom? I think we all would say we've tried to like milk that for all it's <laughs> worth and pull some um, longer answers, but no. Um, there are moments of it there, you know, because we do live in that fallen world, as you said. Um, but ultimately, no. <laughs> would you would you agree? Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was asking Joel because I already know. <laughs> there is absolutely no quality of life living as a pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it goes back to how you see your relationship with Christ right. and who Christ is. Um I mean, when you think about it, it says all things work together for the good mm-hmm. of those who called according to who who yeah, love called. God and are called according to His purpose. All things. That doesn't mean God <laughs> yeah. makes all things happen. It just means that the whatever situation you're in, there should be an expectancy of hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For good things to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at the disciples and um, sometimes as modern Christians, we think that we have it so rough. But if you look at the times that the disciples were living in, you know, right right now when we're recording this, it's actually Holy Week and uh, we're headed into, you know, Good Friday and um, and Silent Saturday. And I just can't imagine, like, I just, I get um, emotional just thinking about it. But that Saturday when all that they had hoped in, all that they had hoped for, Um, Jesus had died uh, and there was that day of silence in between, you know, the the crucifixion and the resurrection and what they must have experienced in that time. And then um, what they would experience even after Jesus uh, rose again, they were in deep, deep, deep persecution. Um, And how could they keep going in the midst of that? 
is hope that who Jesus said that he was, he is. And they did get to see him rise again. They did get to see the manifestation of the promises that he had told them over and over again, that the prophets had had spoken of for thousands of years. Um, They got to see that, but they were still experiencing this intense persecution um, all through their lives. Um, And what could keep them going? It wasn't just a good idea. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just a a purpose statement. It was a living hope. Mm -hmm. It was the person of Jesus um, that kept them going, not just for themselves and to preserve their own lives, but to grow the glorious church that we still see growing today. Wow, that was beautiful, (laughs) Katie. I didn't plan on saying any of that, but it it hit me. It, it reminds me of there was a season um, maybe a few years ago where it seemed like we were having a lot of funerals. Mm-hmm. And I just remember talking to the kids about, yes, there there are um, there is a place for uh, sorrow. There is a place for grieving. There is a place for sadness, you know. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, you know, even at a funeral, there's so much hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's hope for the future. There's hope where the person is in eternity. Mm-hmm. So yes, in, even in the midst of a loss, wow, there is so much hope in Christ, yeah. in, in the faith that we have. Uh, so that kind of goes back to that question. Is there is there biblical reason to be a pessimist? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Quite the opposite, I think. Yeah. Actually, I was reading in Acts, and and uh, Paul was preaching in this place to these Jews, and man, of course, they persecuted him. They didn't want it. They didn't want to hear it. So he just left and went to preach to the Gentiles. <laughs> so he wasn't controlled about their attitude towards him. He just went and preached to those who would receive. Yeah. And um, sometimes our lives are so beautifully directed because we might face something that seems like a challenge. We have a desire and a goal when it doesn't turn out like what we wanted, mm-hmm. but it, there's another open door. I, I think it was in Sound of Music or something <laughs> when God... Uh, closes a door, he opens a window or something. I don't know what that was said. But it's like when when something happens that we didn't want, it's like God always has an open yeah. door to to release what we carry and yeah. who we are and to build the kingdom. And uh, But yeah. I just thought that was funny. It was just one little verse. They didn't receive it, so we went and preached <laughs> to the Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there's a lot of truth in that one little statement there. Yeah, I think one of the reasons people can kind of lean towards pessimism is because they're trying to fix problems that they have no power to. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. very good. And so when we talk about it's important to see the problem, is it's also mm-hmm. important to understand, is this a problem that I actually have power to affect? Yeah. It's not like there weren't horrible things happening in in history and stuff like that. I know some people that experience it now. It's like this unprecedented. Well, no, <laughs> there's been a lot of problems actually. Yeah, uh, maybe it's because we see it more often and we have more access to it. You know, I, I remember just looking at a news site and it was like this this murder of this child, and I'm like, heart like it it hurt my heart to mm-hmm. even see the the title, and I'm like. This not I, I feel empathy for the people that experienced it, but it was like, did I need to see that? Right. Yeah. Probably not, you know. And so I want to encourage you when we say uh it's important to see the problem, 
not every yeah. problem, right? Yeah, it, it's good. like you can't fix the world's problems. Right. It's yeah. kind of like, what do you actually have power to control? Right. Yeah. And, that's, and most of that is yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the real power of prayer is uh, casting those cares on him when we are faced with something that we have no ability to change. Mm-hmm. Um, not carrying that, um, but giving it to him even in prayer, just releasing that to him because he can handle all of the problems of the world. Um, and and actually, I just, um, as we close this chapter, but uh, I just, I cannot imagine the gospel. I cannot imagine God without the Jesus part mm-hmm. because Jesus was touched with um, everything mm-hmm. that we will ever experience. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the suffering um, and so to me that just, when I, you know, when I look at him as my hope, it's not that he's a disconnected God and it's not like everything is, is just, you know, has been perfect and he's never experienced what we experience. No, he has, right. um, and so much more. And so just knowing that, um, that I can actually put, uh, those hopeless feelings, I can put those problems, I can put what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing in his hands, not just because it's a good thing to do, but because he has actually already carried the weight of it and um, has paid the price for the release of that. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's a great exchange. Whatever we give to him, he will give us um, better. He'll give us um, that that light um, yoke that we can bear and he'll help us to navigate through that. And so... Uh, just as we're talking about hope, it's not like he's unfamiliar with our weakness. No, he actually lived um, in that weakness, in that humanity uh, for us. So I just um, wanted to throw that out there. That's good. It's really good. All right. Are we ready for our next point? Yeah. Okay. Um, The next point we have here is what is the difference between optimism and hope? So we talked about pessimism. Let's talk about optimism, the difference between optimism and hope. So when we say, is there room for pessimism in the kingdom? And we say, no, we're not talking about a gospel that everything is roses and sunshine and rainbows. I mean, read your Bible. (laughs) It's not that way. But the context, going back to all things work together for the good of those. So mm-hmm. this this is the context. It's for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So there can be an expectation for good in all things for those. Mm-hmm. Here, that's yeah. the kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For those. And he, uh, I'm sure most of you guys know this. Uh, this verse, but Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things Hoped for. So hope in a biblical sense is consistent expectation for good, but it also means a steady, persistent optimism. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. For it to be true biblical hope, it must be married to our faith. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say it again. For it to be true biblical hope, it must be married to our faith. Faith is the substance. It's the... It's the level ground. It's the the place where you plant. Mm-hmm. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So hope that is founded on faith is an expected response for a believer. And like I said earlier, that the nature of a believer is to believe, mm-hmm. is to have hope. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. So remember how I said that 
you know, you can hope for a lot of things, but it might not happen. Yeah. Right? Uh, a funny example would be, um, I could be working all day. I skip lunch. And mm -hmm. in my, the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I hope Aaron has made something for dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something delicious. Something yeah. amazing. <laughs> so the reality, right, is I may get home. And it didn't happen. <laughs> and my hopes would be dashed. Especially if you spent the day dreaming of what yes. you wanted to eat for dinner and tasting it and thinking about I it. I know. And for whatever reason, you know, life happened yeah. and it didn't happen. But let's say I was at work, same scenario. But the night before, she says, I'm going to make that meal for you. <laughs> so she gave me her word. Yeah. Mm. Right. So because I had her word, my level of hope was even greater because yeah. she's already said it and she's a person of her word. And you know what? I still may get home and it doesn't happen because, you know, life. when you life happens, you have young kids or whatever. But think about this. Our hope is in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God's word does not return to him void. It will accomplish all that it set out to do. Mm -hmm. So when, so our hope is connected. It must be married to our faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word. Yes. So it is not faith unless it's connected to the word of God, what he has spoken, what he has done, and what he will do. So if God says it and I believe it, I actually put action to it. That means I have faith. So our hope must be coupled with the faith that we have. And and what makes our hope certain? He gave his word. Yeah. My wife, if she gives her word, it's a probably 99% chance that it's going to happen. But there's still that 1%, right? But with God, there's no 1%. Right. If he said it, he will do it. He will accomplish it. So our hope that is married to faith is a certain or an assured hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. When, when I uh, look at optimism and hope, they, they might appear the same, mm -hmm. you know, through our words or our attitudes or even impacting our emotion. But optimism is like looking and saying there's a better future. And that's a beautiful thing, but uh, it can be just positive thinking. Mm -hmm. Where hope, as you've talked about, Joel, is really found in a person. Yeah. It's found in truth. It's it's found in the nature and the character of God. And, and that's what I was encouraging my kids. Like even in that midst where it seemed like there was a funeral almost every yeah. weekend, we have this hope. Even mm -hmm. in this difficult situation, it's not just optimism for the future. We have hope because of what his word has said, yeah. what his word has promised. Yeah. And that can be that assured expectation of good, not only now, but even in the future and in the life to come. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I really think, I think it's the source. So if yeah. my quote unquote positive optimistic thinking is in... Uh, just me thinking happy, yeah. uh, there's not a lot of power in that. But when the source is my creator, my God, the one who makes these promises, uh, the spirit of God that gives grace and annoyance and revelation or whatever it is, when that is, when he is my source, then we've gone way beyond optimism mm -hmm. to a very firm 
a foundation, a very secure assurity that this will come to pass. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I had just noted that, um, you know, optimism without Jesus is humanism. Oh, there you go. That's because good. we are really just making it about ourselves. And I just am really always challenged by the word of God um, because there it's full, especially in the New Testament, you see how it's full of um, people who thought that they were doing good things. Uh, and, and in the world's eyes, they were doing good things and how Jesus always challenged them um, that good things without him mm-hmm. is, is doesn't last. It's just, it's sinking sand. It's, um, it's going to rot. It's going to, um, you know, it, the, the moth and rust destroy. Um, and so good ideas. And we, we can see a lot of that, you know, you see a lot of Instagram posts that sound so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see lots of these, you know, little catchphrases that sound so positive and they are, they're positive in nature. Um, but without Jesus, it really is just us trying to live uh, a good, happy, um, you know, look at me, I did good things, or even trying to earn our way um, to heaven. Um, but without Jesus, we know that he's the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only way to the Father uh, is through him. And so we really do have to kind of separate just just good thinking, positive thinking, you know, good vibes, you know, all of those things that we can see in here. Um, and that is not going to last. It's not going to get uh, you that those eternal rewards. Um, and so I just, um, I've been reading James a lot. And in James 1.27, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God. And I want to point that out. You know, there's um, there's a, a world out there who is who wants to do good for the world and they they have that positive thinking and to be honest they're great to be around <laughs> you mm-hmm. want to be around positive people um but they they don't even believe in a higher power you know their good is their higher power but this verse specifically is talking about those in the church it's talking about the religious and it says pure and undefiled religion before God and the father is this to visit orphans and widows mm-hmm. in their trouble. And we can stop there and it, it looks like, um, you know, that's it. V- you know, do good for people. Um, but it said, but it continues and it says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Wow, that's It's good. not just about the doing good. It's about doing good for him. It's about keeping him in that equation, that hearing and obeying his voice um, to be separate from the world. Um, not just the good works and good works alone. Uh, And in the Passion Translation, the last part of that verse says, and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. Uh, And that's just something I challenge myself in is when I see something good or, or, you know, um, a cause that looks really good and diving into that, that's wonderful. But if I get lost in, in the swirl of just doing what the world says is good, um, that I'm really in danger of missing the real point, uh, which is that eternal value um, in him. So uh, that hope is not just a good idea. It's not just positive thinking. That hope is actually the anchor for our soul. It isn't shallow. Uh, it's rooted in the truth that never changes, which can really boost our confidence. It's not circumstantial. Um, it's based upon, like you were saying, uh, it's based upon his word that is we can be fully confident and we can fully trust. So really the difference is positive thinking versus a hope that releases supernatural power. Yeah. 
because of where our hope is placed. And so it's a powerful place, not just you know, our thinking, (laughs) you know, if I think it long enough, it's going to happen. No, but it's really being in a place where we're so connected and part partnering with heaven that we experience the power of what we believe. Yeah. And even, you know, God created our bodies to work with this design. Yes. So if if you don't know Jesus and you are always focused on positive thought, positive thinking, you know, there is a solution that principle is still going to work. You are still going to experience mm-hmm. the effects of health in your body, in your mind, in your soul. Um, but we're body, soul, and spirit beings. Mm-hmm. So you could live a ripe old age of 110 years old and have this wonderful physical health and then die and go to hell. Um, because it's not, you know, God created our bodies to be like that, but he didn't create our bodies to be detached from the spirit. Um, and so it, you have to have Jesus. Jesus is the whole The whole end to this topic, to this story, is Jesus. You have to have him. Yeah, I think there's a a real disconnect, I think, in the church. And and I'm preaching to myself when I say this. It's like, we'll say, well, the faith that I have, it's in my heart, but it hasn't reached my face yet. (laughs) You know? It's like... It's the gospel, meaning the good news. Mm -hmm. And we walk around like we've eaten lemons, (laughs) you know? So I think, I'm not saying that we walk around and say, you you could be in the midst of a terrible situation and just acting like nothing's happening. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, if we truly believe it, there should be an external expression of it. Faith, um, where it says... Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtain a good report, meaning they took what was unseen, what was hoped for, and they were the physical manifestation of it by their faith. Mm-hmm. So faith is not just a mental agreement. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe it, but they're actually, it's faith that put action to what you believe. So if we believe that it's good news, mm-hmm. then our faith should show it, yeah. you know? Uh, we should be an expression of an assured hope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot of times, hey, we know that out of the overflow of the heart speaks. So, so a lot of times, even in the church, we fill ourselves with all these things, mm-hmm. and then we're the expression of the junk that we feed on, yeah. rather than if we fill ourselves with kingdom hope, uh, His Word, which is an assured expectation, assured hope, then it should be manifested through how we interact with the world around us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Like I said, I'm preaching to myself because I'm not a super expressive person, but the truth is, if I believe it, it should have some external manifestation in my life and in my face. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The word says, beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news uh, beautiful feet. I think some people might have a hard time with that one. <laughs> I mean, you'd rather have beautiful feet than not beautiful feet. Well, you do have people that love feet a little oh, too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> you know, as you were talking, I began to think about uh, through my consulting company, I deal with a lot of people that, have, of course, are not believers. And some of these people are the most positive, mm-hmm. beautiful, loving yeah. validating people you ever want to meet, even more so than some people I meet in the church. Yeah. And 
I mean, it's not just positive thinking, it's their positive actions, it's their social justice in beautiful ways, not in political ways, but in beautiful ways, how they live their life. And uh, I just love to be around them, like you talked about that. I learn so much from them, uh, but at the same time, my heart breaks because I recognize, you know, there is a disconnect between the soul and the spirit. And I say, I'm saying, Lord, we'll never ever come to Jesus if we can't see our need yeah. for Him. Yeah. And so my prayer for these individuals, Lord, let them see the need yeah. that they have. And um, not to make them a pessimist, <laughs> but to recognize that what is of the, the, the mind, that they have a spirit man that needs eternal life, eternal salvation. And I think what we have in church, which if we think about it this way, it's a very positive way <laughs> to think about those that maybe don't show it on their face because, man, they came to Jesus just like I did because I knew I needed, I was a mess. I was a real mess. And so when you recognize uh, I don't just have problems, but I am a problem to Mm -hmm. even myself, well, then I run to a savior. I I run to my healer. I run, you know, to a, a supernatural God that somehow can fix me up. And so what we have is a lot of people in the body of Christ, beautifully so, they have run to him because they know they don't have it all together. So we're mm-hmm. in a process of healing and and mindsets are shifting from the negative to the positive because they're growing in God. They know God, they know truth, they know his heart and his nature. And so we are growing line upon line here a little, there a little, getting more and more healed all the time. And so... Uh, I, I recognize that the ones who really run to the Lord are those who have a need. And so my faith is that people will recognize uh, a spiritual need, yeah, even if they are the most positive people on the planet, because every human being has the power to choose optimism, and many people do, because it does bring a quality of life, Mm -hmm. even without them being saved, because they're following biblical truths, even though they don't know it, and it's producing fruit in their life. But when it's all said and done, I want to see them live eternally in heaven. I want these relationships to live past uh, what I have in this lifetime. And so I'm constantly seeking the Lord to say, Lord, how can I plant seeds, you know, spiritual seeds, kingdom Mm -hmm. seeds, so that they can begin to see something greater. And so, you know, when I talk to these individuals, you know, I just talk about how messed up I was and that how one day I say, God, if you're there, do something in my life. I find little things just to throw in there every once in a while to say that there's something beyond just living a good life. There's something beyond the beautiful works that we do or social justice or choosing to value all of humanity. But no, there's something so much deeper and that's living for and not just the higher cause of humanity uh, or saving the planet or whatever it might yeah. be, but a higher cause of eternity and you know, living for uh, a God who paid the highest price for us to have eternal life. Yeah. So optimism and hope can look very similar. Very similar. But hope 
is an assured expectation founded yes, on the word of God. And truth. Yes. So that is true biblical hope. True hope. Biblical so they hope. can look very similar, but one has an assured expectation, a confident expectation, one that does not fail, and that is hope in the word of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not alone in anything that I do. That if everything I do comes from that eternal hope, then I know that my works are building the kingdom. But it's not just trying to do a good thing so I feel good about myself because mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Yeah. But I want something so much deeper. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I invest my life into an individual, I want the supernatural power of heaven to partner with what I'm doing so that it touched the spirit of a person, not just the soul of a person. So optimism alone is temporal and hope is eternal. Is eternal. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. 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 The Bible says, um, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's just such a fear and trembling verse for me. Um, yeah, it makes me want to cry right now when you yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, because you look at these ones who so um, seek after a good life in the world's eyes, uh, and without the humility of of knowing that they are in need of a savior, um, you know, they became fools, and they actually begin at times, not always, but at times, they actually begin to perpetuate um, that that worldly kingdom because it's all self-based. It's all that humanistic uh, worldview rather than him, which is that eternal end. Um, yeah. I, I did just have one thought as you were talking earlier, Mama, that I just want to throw out. Uh, you had mentioned the church. Um, and I just want to say, I'm not sure if we said this or not, but um, the church really should be that safe place for people to come mm-hmm. as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely as we're talking about optimism, I definitely just want to throw out there that when people are coming into church, that should be when they're able to be really real uh, and really safe. You know, maybe you're putting you're putting on a facade all through the week or, um, you know, you're faking it till you make it, even, you know, with your family or your friends. Um, but the church really should be a place where you can come and just kind of be uh, if you are going through those really hard things. Um, so the church is not a place to come and put on a mask of optimism because I think good. that optimism really can be a mask. It can be a facade. It can be that pretend face um, because you you don't want people to actually see what's going on. And the church should not be a place for that facade. Um, and so there is a difference between... Um, well, and there's a disconnect too. If every time you show up on Sunday, it's never good or it's never yes. enough. I mean, there's the balance to that as yes. well. It's like... Um, and and I'm not saying that this is a biblical truth. I'm just saying this is me personally as one that likes to provide solutions. If I see that in an individual where they're not changing, it's very difficult for me to have the motivation to keep on pouring yes. in and offering wisdom because I know that it it really doesn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean I close myself off. It just means that I'm just more aware of Unless there's an invitation for me to pour into, I just kind of pull back until there's some level of revelation of... Yeah. 
yeah, desire definitely. for change. And see, that's why we need encounters with the Lord. That's why I think it's so important. Like Jesus manifested mm-hmm. the kingdom. You know, the early church manifested the kingdom. And uh, that's why I think even you know, in the midst of a worship service, you can feel, yeah, you can yeah. feel freedom coming. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're preaching and you see people's eyes light up of with revelation, it's just being willing to keep bringing truth to the table mm-hmm. and bringing the heart of God to the table. And it's not judging people where they're at, but there is a goal to take them from where they're at into where they can be. Yeah. And so that's hope. That's even biblical hope because it's not because we preach good. It's not because we have perfect worship or perfect people. It's because we have a hope in the author and the finisher of their faith. Yeah, And we don't, like you said, Joe, we don't have the power to force this on anyone. But when God brings revelation, you can see their hearts open. And when yes. you see them open, man, you know, <laughs> you rush in there and you make the most of every, every opportunity. And one thing that I do, Katie, with when you were talking about that, I I love when people are real. I don't want people to put on a mask. And in fact, the safer they feel, the more real they are, even if it doesn't sound quote unquote optimistic, but they're being real because it's safe to be real, which gives us an opportunity to sow seeds of life and truth and say, do you know what I see you can become? Yeah. And one of the greatest things I love to do, because validation is my biggest word, um, is I look when a person shares something like that, I look for the truth of who they are. And then I I don't attack their negative words, but I begin to validate what I see in them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They light up yeah, because they just got validated. Yeah. Now it's going to take time till they believe what I just said. Did you ever get a compliment or somebody said something to you and you got, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> because you believe the lie for so long that when you hear the truth, the truth feels like a lie. Mm-hmm. And so I recognize that. But if I keep planting the seeds and we as as a pastoral team, as a church, our culture, we continually are planting those seeds Mm -hmm. and we are seeing the fruits of that harvest. Some, it's a little bit slower, but the ones that it seems a little bit slower, they faced a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the process, uh, we recognize there's maybe places we can't go, but we don't give up hope on who God is is yeah. in them. Yeah. I mean, the hope is that someone comes in, you know, experiencing whatever they're experiencing. Uh, they see that hope through not just our culture, but through the presence of God mm-hmm. and that they are changed by that. And then that change has to be, that's what repentance is. It has to be a continual walking in the other direction. So as you leave church, um, hopefully you're repeating what you've experienced in church. Uh, and that is what's going to change uh, your life from that, you know, pessimistic, not, or, or just you're, you're going through what you're going through into seeing that there is hope. There is a way out of this. So that's why you have these stickums you put on the refrigerator, right? And yes. so you have all these. So anybody that goes into the coffee room can just see all these miracles. Yeah. We collect miracles. Yeah. So we post them on our refrigerator and, um, those testimonies are a, a, a gateway to hope because mm-hmm. you can see what he's done before and you believe that he'll do it again. And people get excited about putting a stickum on that yeah. that refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, a big deal. Well, I mean, it should be. It it's is a, a big deal. Yeah. yeah. 
thought it was interesting that on a topic where we're talking about hope and solutions, two people were moved to tears. <laughs> Good happy, tears. Happy tears. Yeah, I was just saying, I just thought that was interesting, you know. If I'm moved to tears, I think. I, I mean, I would be like, wow, yeah. what is happening? I stub my the toe. presence of the I Lord. Mean, you know, yeah, that's has, when I generally cry is if know. God shows up. Yeah, yeah. Good tears. Yeah, good tears, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, we're getting long. Do we want to continue on? I think we kind of hit the other questions in our conversation. Okay. So, All right, any closing thoughts? Closing thoughts. I mean, I can just run through a couple. <laughs> Go ahead, give us yeah. some. But hope is future. Hope and Hope determines how you will live. Um, it really decides whether you're going to live for today or for eternity. Um, and, um, whether you're going to live a small world, small life or a big life. Uh, and so I just always like to give those practical things as we close. Um, but if you are experiencing, uh, that hopelessness right now in your life, or even if you know people who are, um, just a couple things that I'd encourage you to do. Uh, number one, first and foremost is, uh, as Hebrews 12, one and two says, it says, um, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so some things that I just pull from that one is that you are not alone. Um, not only are you not alone here on this earth, but there is a great cloud of witnesses that has gone before you, that yes. is championing you, that is cheering you on. So just know that you are not alone. Um, two, you will go through hard things. Um, though, that lay aside every weight. I love that he tells us to do that. Lay aside the weights, give them to him because he cares for you. Uh, and then the third thing in that passage, which is the most important, is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If we keep our eyes on him, he is going to help us um, see that there is that, that he is that living hope, that he did not stay dead, um, but he rose again just as he said he would. So revisit those promises that he has spoken over your life. Go to the word of God, start pulling out those promises, those um, things that are not just now, but that are future. Um, and start to meditate on them, believing that's putting that faith in there, believing that even though you don't see it right now, even though you're experiencing something very hard now, that that joy is before you, that hope is before you, uh, and that he has promised you a future that is good. Uh, and so just want to speak those things over your life, that hope is not just something that we talk about. It's actually for you personally in your own life. Uh, and so just encourage you to set your eyes on him. Just cry out to Jesus today. Uh, listen to what he's speaking to you. Meditate on the things that he's already spoken to you. Meditate on those things that he's already done in your life. Start to go back and um, just even sit down and start to write out your testimony um, just to start to stir uh, that hope, that expectation on the inside of you. Uh, and, I, and I just believe, we just believe that uh, you're going to begin to see those glimmers of hope. And as you see those glimmers, that it's just going to grow uh, as you begin to fan the flame of hope. So, all right. Well, uh, we hope this episode encouraged you, um, blessed you. Uh, we love you. We're for you. And we will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. 
Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.